Hey, good morning, VRL. Had a little trouble getting up the stairway there. Good to see you guys. You look good, if you're wondering. You look great from here. My name's Kelly. I am the campus pastor at the Riverside campus. We're getting ready to launch here in about two and a half months, coming up real soon. Yes, thank you for that enthusiasm. I'm excited, too. Uh, we've been in this series called Uncommon. And you know, at a high level, we're really addressing this reality that God has a way of doing things. And he's inviting us to be a part of it. And so, as most of you know, we're getting ready to launch this campus. We're gonna do something kind of uncommon. We're gonna leave our comfort zone and go plant a new church to try and reach more people for Jesus. There's a picture of the Riverside campus up in the northwest corner of Spokane. So not in the town of Riverside, but right near the entrance to Riverside State Park up near Bowl and Pitcher, kind of on the west end of town. And uh, it's issues like what we're gonna talk about for a few minutes today that really drive me to take the church farther and faster, to plant new churches, to reach as many people as possible because I'm guessing you've probably noticed the world is broken and everybody knows it. And you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to know that that's the case. No one's walking around going, yeah, it's fine, nothing to see here, everything's good. We all understand that the world is broken and as followers of Jesus, another thing that we know is that Jesus is all the while saying, follow me. I wanna lead you to an abundant life. Come, come and follow me. And yet we live in a world that is just grasping at anything and everything to try and solve all of its problems. So here we are, followers of Jesus, ambassadors for Christ, going to plant the gospel in a new part of our town. And I wanna invite you to be a part of that journey. I wanna invite you to consider being a part of launching the Riverside Campus. We, we need to add about 100 people to our launch team to really launch for success. We have a good team intact already. We have an awesome facility. There's renovations happening there, uh, but we need to increase the size of our team. So the truth is, if you live west of Argonne, you actually probably live closer to the Riverside Campus than you do to here. But I just wanna challenge you. Would you consider being a part of it? There's a few ways you can take a next step. Continue that conversation. You can scan the code on the back of the seat in front of you or on the screen. And what'll happen when you hit that link and fill out that information is we'll send you an email to make sure that you're in the loop on all things Riverside. Or after the service is over, you can walk straight out those doors to Connecting Point. Our staff will be out there. We'd love to have a conversation with you. We have a, an interest meeting coming up right across the hall on the 23rd. So I just encourage you, consider taking a next step and exploring that because the world really needs Jesus. So I'm gonna invite you to come be on mission with us, with us. I'm not going to talk about Riverside the whole time though, I promise. Because Jesus is calling us to live uncommon lives no matter what our context is, to live unconventionally, to live with purpose, to do some things that might even seem a little bit weird to the world around us. So uh, in the spirit of being uncommon, I took the liberty this week of discovering some of the most uncommon things that are for sale on the internet. And let me tell you, there's some weird stuff out there. Uh, for example, the Tacosaurus, the dinosaur taco holder. You didn't know you needed one of those, but now you do. I don't know how I got to this point in life without one. Uh, how about this next one? I mostly put that one up because it scared the heck out of me. That finger puppet says it's a gift for kids, but I don't know what you're trying to do to your kid if you buy them that gift. Uh, of course, something that none of us need, but we all want the glow in the dark toilet paper. 
Don't let yourself, you know, think about that one too far. Don't go too far down the path there. I, I just want to know, how did toilet paper go from being the most valuable commodity on earth to being a glow-in-the-dark novelty so quickly? Remember, it wasn't that long ago that we, people were like in lines fighting each other for that stuff? The world's crazy. There's crazy stuff floating around, though. Those are some lighthearted examples. It seems that in our world, there are people everywhere who have an agenda, who have a point of view, who have a personal morality, and they're just lining up to tell you why you're doing it wrong and you should come over to their way. A lot of craziness going on out there. And it can seem like there's just no way to win. Like, how, how are we gonna follow Jesus through this mess? But actually, there are some examples in scripture of churches and communities that we're dealing with sort of the same type of chaos in their world. And the church in Corinth was very much one of them. And so to help us make sense of it all, we've been looking at this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And this week, we come to 1 Corinthians chapters 5 and 6, where Paul addresses sexuality. Send the new guy up to have the sex talk, am I right? <laughs> this is what hazing feels like. So here we are. This could be everyone's favorite series in the, you know, favorite sermon in the entire series, or it could be a total dumpster fire. We'll see which way that goes. Uh, I just mentioned that's going to be our topic, just in case you have your kids with us. Um, I'll just leave that at your discretion. I don't think I'm going to go anywhere beyond PG. PG. Uh, we'll even leave the 13 out of that. Uh, but I just want to make sure you're forewarned in case it spawns additional questions. Uh, my kids were in the room on Thursday night. And I'm okay with the conversation because I know that as their dad, I am God's plan for helping them navigate these waters. The church can help, the church should help, but I am God's plan for their well-being in this area. And so um, I just want to give you a forewarning on that. In the fall, we'll actually have a whole series on this issue and we'll, we'll be much more exhaustive in our conversation. Today's gonna be kind of a flyby. So the church in Corinth was being tripped up with many different issues. Last week, you might remember, Pastor Dan talked about their struggle with unity. They had all these preferential arguments going on. You know, they were, they were just fighting about things that really were not like doctrinal, Jesus-centered stuff. They were just arguing and creating confusion. Well, another thing that they were tripped up on was the sexual ethic, their sexuality. Confusion around this issue was everywhere. So as it turns out, not that much has changed in the last 2,000 years. Wasn't that much different than where we're at. So let's just start with a few things that I think we can mostly agree on. First thing is this. It's important for people who follow Jesus to know what the Bible says about human sexuality because it's a factor in nearly everyone's life. All of us are impacted internally, externally. The world around us is constantly talking about this issue. The second thing that I think we can universally or close to agree on is that God's plan for sexuality, as described in the Bible, is vastly different from the message that is being hammered into us through the media, through the education system, through all of the different places that we go. God has something totally different to say about this issue. The third thing that I think we can agree on, uh, and probably the most important, is that none of us escapes our own brokenness in this area. We're, we're all impacted by this issue in a variety of ways. We all feel the impact of sin in this area. We're all broken, we're all human. That's why we all need a gracious God who will lead us into the truth, a gracious God who won't leave us in our brokenness, but will actually show us a new path. So let's see what Paul has to say to the Corinthians. 
First Corinthians chapter five, verse one, he addresses a pretty crazy situation. He says, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. And you are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. That's a pretty disturbing situation, isn't it? I mean, I don't think we even like need a lot of input from the scripture for most of us to go, yeah, that's probably over the line. That's, that's a little too far. And Paul is writing to set this record straight because what had happened was he had previously taught them about freedom in Christ, freedom from the religious law, being bound to grace because of Jesus. And what they apparently took that to mean was, this is awesome. We can do whatever we want and God has to, be, God has to bless us and forgive us because Jesus. And Paul's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is way over the line. This is way outside the boundaries that God has set up. This is way beyond what's honoring to God. And I think it's pretty easy for all of us to say, yeah, that is way beyond what's honoring to God. That is way over the line. It's a pretty extreme example. So then Paul goes on for the rest of chapter five. He basically is explaining to them how that those who are part of the church should live differently than the world around them. They lived in a society where sexual confusion and looseness was very common. It was everywhere. In fact, if you've studied the history of the Roman world, um, there's stuff in there that would like make people in our society blush. It's, it's pretty crazy. But Paul says, followers of Christ should live uncommon lives. And he makes a distinction between how believers live and non-believers live. Verse nine, he says, when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You'd have to leave this world to avoid people like that. What I meant was that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer and yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. Of course, he says, of course, unbelievers are going to act on impulse. That's, that's what they have. Of course, they're going to follow that. But you, if you're a follower of Christ, you're not controlled by impulse. You are controlled by the spirit of God. You're subject to the spirit of God. And notice that he doesn't just key in on this one issue. He actually has a list. He lists sexual sin, greed, idols. What's that? What does that mean? I mean, I'm guessing nobody here has like a wooden statue on your mantle that you bow down to and worship. Um, if you do, we should have a variety of other conversations. But really, idolatry just comes down to putting something other than God on the throne of your heart. And I think all of us are guilty of that. And that's kind of Paul's point, is that no one escapes sexual sin, greed, idols, being abusive, being a drunkard, being dishonest. See, what makes us uncommon isn't that we're perfect. I just read that list and no one is perfect. What makes us uncommon is how we deal with our brokenness, what we do with our brokenness. The world says, you know what? Fill the, the void, follow the impulse, chase fulfillment in more of what didn't work last time. That's the answer. It's just like, keep pouring it in, pouring it in, go farther and farther and farther, and it doesn't seem to work. But Jesus offers us something different. 
Christ followers submit their brokenness to him so that he can show us a better way. That's the distinction. Not that we're perfect, but what we do with it. Jesus wants to show us a better way to fulfillment, to meaning, a better way to intimacy, even a better way to pleasure. Follow me, I wanna show you a better way. And then he makes this really interesting statement in chapter six, verse 18, he says, run from sexual sin. The Greek word that's translated right there, run from, it actually means to seek out refuge or uh, to seek safety by flight. Run away from it, he says. It's interesting to me because it's different than what he says in other areas around temptation. Other places in the New Testament, he says phrases like, stand firm, resist. And here he says the exact opposite. He says, run away, run as fast and far as you can. And it speaks to the urgency of the directive. Apparently, there's a really great danger in this particular area. And so Paul says, run away from it. Now, somebody might say, yeah, but don't we live in the 21st century? Hasn't the world changed? The world's changed. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think we should go around penning people in with these antiquated old ideas from the Bible. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I would rather be talking about any other subject in the Bible just about than this one. But this is where the text has taken us. This is where God wanted us to go today. So what I would say to that is my job is not to make the scripture fit into a 21st century cultural narrative. My job is to treat it with integrity. And I hope, I hope that that's okay with you. I hope, I hope that that's a good thing in your mind. So let me just respond to the objection. Yes, we do live in the 21st century. Yes, the world has changed drastically. And that's why this conversation is more important than it's ever been. It's why it's important for parents to be okay with having these conversations. They're not easy. None of them are easy, but guess what? There are, uh, there are voices all around, circling around people of all ages, in particular, our children, our teenagers, the young adults in our lives, there are voices all around giving their input, and it's important for us to make sure that Jesus' voice is heard too. So why does it matter? Why does it matter what a person does with their body? Why does it matter what I look at? Why does it matter what kind of thoughts I entertain on an ongoing basis? It matters for a bunch of reasons. How about this? It matters because if you're a teenager, you're surrounded by people who may be destroying their future relationships before they ever even get started, and they're treating it like it's normal. And what I'm saying is, Jesus is calling you to live in an uncommon way. Or maybe you're a married person in this room, guess what? God has an adversary who would love nothing more than to use this issue to destroy every good thing in your life. That's what he does, and we've all seen it happen. It matters for a variety of reasons, and so Paul says, Run, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your own body. Okay, where does God live? According to that verse, God lives within us those of us who follow Jesus, he, he lives within us by the Holy Spirit. And I think most of us would say, yeah, I want that. Like, I want God to be with me and for me and on my side wherever I go. I mean, that's, that's really good news. If you think about it, the God of the universe, he's chosen to dwell with me. That's all good. 
but it becomes really problematic when we decide, yes, I want God to live within me, but then I want to live outside the boundaries that he's established for me. That's when we come to a, a, a little bit of a paradox, a little bit of a tension point right there. We live in this age where we want to have this uh, sexuality without restrictions. But the truth is, if I'm a follower of Christ, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. A second reason why it matters is because it's just common sense. If I go around doing whatever I want without any kind of restriction, I'm going to hurt myself and I'm definitely going to hurt the people around me. So we live in a, in a place where we're bent on pursuing desire without any boundaries and we don't have to look that far to realize it's just not producing very good results. We're experiencing catastrophic levels of things like sexual assault, predatorial behaviors, uh, human trafficking. And that's just like the big newsworthy illegal stuff, not to mention all of the millions of little ways that it digs its claws into our homes and into our hearts and wreaks havoc in our relationships. We live in a time that is driving sexuality without boundaries or restrictions, and people are being targeted at younger and younger ages. And so we shouldn't be surprised by the pain that it's causing because we've bought into the deception that it's no big deal. We bought into this lie that it's no big deal. So I spoke, I had this professor one time who, uh, he used to have this saying. He said, the problem with deception is deception. And I remember thinking, you didn't have to get a PhD to figure that one out, right? Like I could have came to that conclusion on my own. But what he meant by that was, if you knew you were being deceived, you wouldn't let it happen, right? That's why deception is so problematic. And there's this really great example for us. Uh, if you remember the story of how the serpent tempted Eve back in Genesis chapter three, he, he tempted Eve into rejecting or going against God's instruction. And there was this really sly formula that he used Starting in Genesis chapter three, verse one, this is what happened. It said, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? God really say that? Are you sure that's what he said? He questions, is that what God really said? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Question it, did God really say that? Deny it, you won't die. You're not gonna die, it's, it's fine, don't worry. You're not gonna die, it's fine. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. After he questions it and he denies it, finally, he just altogether reverses it. Not only will you not die, actually, you'll live. Actually, it'll be great. You'll know things and understand things and have experiences that you've never had before. So the common understanding of the day is that it's no big deal. But move that, move that pattern into our, our own modern context. Question, deny, reverse. Fits right into this area, right? Is it, is it that big of a deal if I just like tiptoe up to the boundary? Like, I mean, did God really say, like, don't, don't go over there? I don't know. I mean, the world has changed a lot. It's probably not that big of a deal. Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's really not a big deal at all. Question, reverse, deny. 
The common understanding is that it's no big deal and the common understanding is producing terrible results. Friends, you and I are not called to be common. Common is overrated. Commonality in this area reaps destruction. God has actually called you to an uncommon and abundant life. He's actually created boundaries for us in this area so that we can flourish. God has established boundaries for this type of intimacy. And for the most of the last 2,000 years, there's been a common understanding of the Christian sexual ethic. It's not until really just the last few decades that scholars and theologians have begun to um, question, deny, and reverse. But for thousands of years, the shared understanding of what God said was just what he said, that this type of intimacy is intended in a marriage relationship between a man and a woman. In Matthew 19, Jesus actually calls back to Genesis, and he says that a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is God's original design for human sexuality. And God created this and understood this long before the sociological problems of our day started showing up. But why does it matter? It matters because God wants to have a relationship with you and he wants to lead you to the deepest and most meaningful type of life possible. And the world around might look at the boundaries and say, oh my gosh, that's just so restrictive, so boring, so limiting. You guys are sucking all the fun out of life. You're missing out. But here's the promise that Jesus made, just the opposite. John 10, 10, he said the thief or the serpent, remember back in Genesis 3, the thief, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. His purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. And in order to do that, he's established some boundaries. He's put a fence around your life. There are times when he says, you know what? Don't go there. Don't go any farther. He does create restriction at times, a limit, a fence. But think about what a boundary does. A boundary, it keeps the good things in and it also keeps the dangerous things out. Right? When my kids were little, I could send them out in the backyard, fence around the whole thing kept my kids from wandering out into the street. Uh, for me, that's a good thing. Maybe you do it differently at your house, but at my house, we like to keep the kids from wandering out into the street. The boundary keeps them in, but it also kept the neighbor's stray dog or the person that I don't know who they are from wandering in. The boundary actually exists for your blessing and for your protection. And so God has put boundaries around our lives in this area. So here's just some real talk. If I can just be really straight with you, I hope we do that here. We can't live the life that God has for us outside of the boundaries that God has for us. Now, I'm not talking about just like rules and religious law. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not saying perform for God, do good, try harder, and maybe he'll like you. I'm not saying that. I'm saying God has a way, a way that exists for your blessing and protection, and it exists inside of the boundaries that he's established for you. We can't live the life that God has for us outside the boundaries that he has for us. But here's where we get tripped up. When we run into temptation, instead of running back inside the boundary, what we often do is sort of tiptoe up to the boundary, kind of try to get a sense of, well, how much of this can I really like get away with before I'm in trouble? Maybe just take a little peek over the boundary there. It's not that bad. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just hop over real quick just for a minute and then I'll come back. And before you know it, eventually you're so far from the boundary that you can't even see your way back anymore. I think that's a slippery slope that a lot of us 
have been down at one point or another in our lives. Before you know it, we're so far from home that we're in this whole new way of life and we can't even see the boundaries that God has for us. But this is what makes us uncommon. What makes us uncommon is that we don't try to get away with what we can. What makes us uncommon is that we submit ourselves willingly to God in this area. And his promise is that he will lead us to a full life and ultimately to eternal life, but we can't live that life outside of the boundaries that he has for us. So the question becomes, what should I do? What should you do? Wherever you're at, you are where you are. Wherever your starting point is, it's where you're at right this moment. What should you do? Maybe you're a young person in this room and you're like, man, I'm just trying to make it through, like just trying to get through high school, college with, you know, I have all these friends that are living way outside the boundaries of what God has for them. And, you know, the media is pursuing you and the porn industry is targeting you. What, what should you do? I mean, how do you survive that kind of pressure? What should you do? I heard a guy named Devin Franklin say, don't trade what makes you unique for what makes you common. Okay, so... If you're here and you're a young person, uh, once upon a time, I was a youth pastor, I loved it, and then I got old. I'm begging you, don't trade what makes you unique for what makes you common. God has established this boundary to do good things for you. Common is way overrated. People are celebrating what's going on outside the boundary, and sometimes they just don't even know the destruction that they're, they're going to reap later on. Okay, know that God has a plan for you in this area. Know that he actually wants to lead you to something better, to the most fulfilling and abundant expression of intimacy. And submitting to this boundary now will set you up for that in the future. Don't trade it for something that's, that's just common. Don't trade it for something that's momentary. And if you don't know what to do, I want you to know that all around you, there's a, there's a whole church full of adults and sometimes it can feel like, gosh, yeah, this, maybe this is for adults and not for me. And what I want you to know is that the people in this room are behind you and for you. And this church will help you in any way we can. So if you need help in this area, don't be afraid to say so, because God has a plan for you and he has a boundary around your life because he wants to bless you. But maybe that's not you. Maybe you're way past that point. Maybe you're, maybe you're a not so young person. Maybe you've got a total mess on your hands in this area, what should you do? What should you do? First thing, run back inside the boundary. Submit yourself willingly to God's instruction in this area. Maybe you're carrying guilt over things that have happened in the past. Maybe you're carrying guilt over something that you just keep tripping on over and over and over again. I wanna just remind you of something that my friend Hannah said years ago and it just stuck with me. She said, God's ability to redeem will always be bigger than your ability to fail. God's ability to redeem your situation will always be bigger than your ability to mess it up. You've heard the word repentance before? And what the word repent means, it's so applicable to this situation, it literally means to turn around and go the other direction. And so my advice to you would be, run back inside the boundary. If you need help in some way in this issue, um, maybe you have an addiction that you've been feeding in this issue, we wanna help you with that. Use the Connect card to let us know. 
You can join a pure desire group. We have, we have addiction services. We, we wanna help you. Um, I guarantee you, if uh, we could somehow magically just throw up on the screen every single um, person who is struggling in this way, what you would find out is you are nowhere close to being alone. That's just real talk. We wanna help with that. Jesus doesn't want you to be stuck in that. In fact, God loved you so much that he sent his son so that you would have a path to freedom in that area. Maybe your marriage is impacted by this. Maybe you need someone to talk to. We wanna help you with that. Use the Connect card to let us know. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're in a relationship that you know, like, man, we're, I'm living outside of God's boundaries. This is going the wrong direction. Talk to one of your youth leaders. Let us know. Be in a youth small group. Be in a life group if you're an adult. Have those conversations. But wherever you're at on this issue, I wanna give you two next steps that I hope you'll take if you're struggling in some way. The first one is what I've already said over and over, run back inside the boundary that God has established because the boundary exists for your blessing and for your protection, not for the sake of restriction. Run back inside the boundary. The second one is this, don't leave here today without knowing who you're going to talk to. Maybe if you're in a life group, maybe that's some friends at your life group. Uh, maybe you need to have a conversation with a pastor. Maybe you uh, have a friend already in your life, an accountability partner. I don't know who that is, but know where you're going to get help and accountability because none of us escapes totally unscathed in this area. It impacts all of us, and it's why we need to be honest about where we're at. It's why we need to be okay with other people being honest about where they're at. It's why we need God's word to show us the truth it's why we need God's grace to cover our mistakes. And it's why we need each other. It's why we need relationships so that we can encourage each other and build each other up. Now, today, now is the time to come back to Jesus. If you walk out the door and think maybe someday I'll take action on it, maybe. I wanna encourage you, take action today. If you need somebody to talk to about that, when the service is over, you can head to the cross. There'll be people there to pray with you. Uh, maybe your next step is you just need to say yes to Jesus. Just submit to him as Lord. You can head to the cross after we're, we're done here today. Uh, maybe you need to join a life group so that you have people to talk to. Maybe you need to join, um, maybe you need to be part of Celebrate Recovery. I don't know what that next step for you is, but I wanna encourage you, let today be the day that you come back to Jesus. We're gonna take just a moment here and worship God together. Would you stand with me? I wanna pray for you. Lord, I thank you for the honesty of your word so that we could be here today and we could just have real talk about a real issue that affects all of us, Lord. From young to old, no one in our society escapes the reality of this issue. And so, Lord, we just stand before you with transparent hearts. God, we need you. We need your grace. We all do. Thank you that you've created this church family so that we can have a safe place to be real about it. God, I pray for every person who's struggling in this area. Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, they would feel your love and your acceptance, and they would hear your voice calling them to come back to you. In Jesus' name, amen.